You're listening to Frame 25, a monthly micro edition of the Brightwall Darkroom podcast in conversation with and sponsored by our friends at Gallery. Every month, we'll pick a title from Gallery's curated library and zoom in on a moment to better see the whole. I'm Veronica Fitzpatrick. And I'm Chad Perman. Hey, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Veronica. How goes it? <laughs> it's great. I'm so excited to discuss 1928's The Camera Person. The Camera Person? <laughs> Oh, it's, <laughs> why do I have the camera person here? In the I don't, I don't know. Let's stop using these. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No more docs. All right. If there's a subsequent mm. film he did that was gender neutral, I would also like to see yeah, that. Yeah. Kristen Johnson's camera <laughs> yes. person. Yes, exactly. The crossover. Chad, <sighs> what movie are we talking about today? Oh, we're talking about 1928's The Cameraman from Buster Keaton. Great. Directed by Edward Sedgwick and sort of uncredited also. Ghost directed, er, yeah. Ghost directed. That's perfect. Buster yeah. Why did you pick this film? I should say it was in connection with the gallery list with, uh, we circled back around to Mike Mills. This probably wouldn't have been the Buster Keaton film I would have chosen, though I do love it. But The Cameraman was one that he chose. He actually chose... Chaplin's Modern Times and then this one from Buster Keaton as his double pick on his list. He did what I do on lists and put two answers for one so he could get more than a few. <laughs> and it is a great film. I do have a slight preference for Sherlock Jr. Me too. Definitely a strong, strong, strong fondness for the general. Mm. But the cameraman's great, just much like we said on the Mission Impossible one. If it was a standalone thing and someone said, hey, look at this, I'd say this is great. If I put it in direct comparison with some of the other ones... It's not quite my favorite, but it's still great. So. And similar. I mean, so in The Cameraman, Buster Keaton plays a tintype photographer who is trying to sort of break into the movie business at MGM mm -hmm. and also simultaneously win the love of this MGM <laughs> secretary named Sally. So there's this obvious like self-reflexivity. Yeah, cinema. a lot of some meta stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Sherlock Jr. as well. And because he works at MGM, too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is after, quote, the worst mistake of my life, which is yes. the chapter of his biography where he describes the move to MGM. Yeah, as a, it kind of ruined his life or not not just like a casual, insignificant way, like it ruined his whole life. Yeah. Over the course of only like three or four years. And then he was pretty much done with films for 20 years. So, yeah, yeah. quite a bad decision that he was strongly advised against, but... Needed some money to build these gigantic houses for his wife who... I know, I know. Because again, let's do a full hour because like just that is like, <laughs> what? She's like, the house doesn't have enough rooms in it. Okay, I'll build you a bigger house. Totally. So anyway, Busta had some bills to pay. So he took the MGM contract infamously and that was beginning of the end because, well, I mean, it's a pretty classic story. Like you have independence and can do your own thing, but not the money. And then you go for the money exactly. and you lose the independence. And it's very often downhill from there. So the cameraman is kind of just... I saw one review that called like the last bloom of summer or something for Keaton's mm -hmm. career. He got mm -hmm. one in that was good. The follow-up one... I don't even remember the title of, but the quality very quickly starts going down. And then they push him to talk and do pun. It's just, mm -hmm. they very clearly, as most people in retrospect, did not seem to understand Buster Keaton at the time he was doing the things he was doing. Mm -hmm. But they really didn't understand how to use him. Plus, like many studio heads, thought they knew better what he should be doing, which is insane to think about. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, as you've maybe taught Sherlock Jr. or written about I it in do, some way? Yeah, I, I, I haven't written about it, but I often teach Sherlock Jr. in um, sort so of great. intro so to great. film or global film history type of classes. And yeah. I also want to recommend or shout out 
the episode of You Must Remember This, where oh, absolutely, Karina yeah. Longworth talks about Buster Keaton's career and his move to MGM. Yeah, I mean, I actually weirdly <laughs> think about Buster Keaton's move to MGM and like the double mistake of being married to Joseph Shank's sister-in-law <laughs> and his film career and his marriage tumbling down in parallel, like all the time. You think about that all the time? I know, isn't that weird? But it's exactly what you were talking about where, you know, uh. you move away from independence and as like the founder of Brightwall, you know, I'm sure this is like heavy on the mind. Yes, this is something that I've had to play with a lot of different times. <laughs> as we're recording a sponsored episode. <laughs> From a very good sponsor that we vetted very, very well. Our friends at Gallery. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, we turned out a lot of stuff because of that exact reason. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you find yourself in a situation where everybody thinks they know how to purpose your gifts better than you do. And yeah. Keaton famously rejected the idea of having detailed screenplays and wanted mm -hmm. to have more of just a set of situations. And I think you're right. We do still get a sense of that situational, reactive physical comedy and also melodrama. For, yeah. I mean, because it is Buster <laughs> Keaton and he has that face, the great stone face mm -hmm. in this film that we really lose after this point. Yeah. But I want to ask you, what is the moment in the film that pulls it all together for you? Yeah, I think a lot of people, if they're going to like, oh, they're going to do a podcast on a moment from Buster Keaton would go with like, you know, it's going to be some kind of a pratfall or a really right. like amazing stunt. So I didn't pick any of those. A fun fact that informs my choice of moment very famously, he liked to, I mean, he bragged about it in one of his last interviews, uh, that the average, you know, silent film would have two to three hundred intertitles. And his average, he famously was, uh, Chaplin did get a little lower than him once, but he averaged around 40 or 50. So he, he wanted mm -hmm. to tell everything through action. Mm -hmm. That was his whole thing. If you can do it in action, let's do it in action. So I picked a baseball scene, the baseball stadium, the baseball game where Buster shows up with his camera, because he is, of course, the cameraman. And <laughs> he <laughs> trying to break in and, and, and get some good footage, and he shows up to Yankee Stadium. This is before the internet. He was not aware that there was no game that day the Yankees were playing in St. Louis, which a groundsman or some sort of stadium worker, it's the only other guy there, tells him. So rather than leaving and saying, oops, my bad, the grounds guy leaves, and instead of leaving himself, he goes ahead and just positions his camera and tripod right there on the pitcher's mound, and proceeds to pantomime a full-on, like, baseball game where he starts as the pitcher, goes through, you know. And for when you ask, like, why I chose this moment, there's obviously plenty of comedians and plenty even from the vaudevillian tradition that had ended, gone into silent movies. But mm -hmm. he's just so good. Famously, he was a huge baseball fan, so he knew the specifics. But he looked off the runner, you know, which I don't know if... That's inside baseball. <laughs> he looked <laughs> off the runner from the pitcher's stance. He did a very proper pitching thing. He also then, you know, acts like the ball got hit up the middle right at him and dives out of the way. I mean, it's just when I see that done well, like a, a good pantomime, even on like the streets of Seattle when someone's just randomly doing it. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I, I just think that pantomime is a very underappreciated art form in 2023. So I loved that. And then what I really loved was when he gets into the batter's box and, you know, like every person's dream, you know, hit a home run in Yankee Stadium, which was then only five years old. And he then runs full speed. And that's the thing I really love. Mm. And someone timed it out and said, hey, by the way, the average Major League Baseball player runs around the bases in blank amount of seconds. And his was like eight seconds faster than that. So he was really going for it. Mm -hmm. And then he runs all the way through and then he does a perfect stunt slide into home plate, which of course you don't need to do when you hit a home run. And also <laughs> he just lands right on the base the way he does it. So everything is executed perfectly and everything is just pure joy for me to watch that entire minute and a half or so as he acts out the whole baseball fantasy. May I dare an on-mic producerial intrusion on that fun fact? 
Yeah. <laughs> so it may not be that Buster Keaton actually ran faster than the average around the base running time. Oh. In silent film recording early on, they used a technique that is called undercranking, which I believe is a term coined by silent film academic and accompanist Ben Modell. Undercranking? In order to record film on those early cameras, they had to hand crank the camera, right? And they would record at a slower cranking speed than playback was projected in theaters. So it looked like fast motion. I'm an overcranker, so. <laughs> oh, aren't we all? <laughs> So he may actually in real life have run slower than it appears in the picture. I would say too, yeah, I, he was very, very athletic. Like uh, that was a pretty known fact. Like I've never heard that used to describe like Charlie Chaplin or Harold Lloyd, though I would guess Harold Lloyd was. Oh yeah, hanging off a building. Yeah. Come on. But yeah, I, I just think that Keaton's gifts were so enormous physically in addition mm -hmm. to how smart he was, in addition to basically pioneering a whole lot of stuff that we still use in movies today. It came from him and his preference for really long shots, which, I mean, there's so many famous examples just in this 69-minute film of, mm -hmm. of very, very long shots, like the staircase scene, that it was going to be my moment, but I was like, ah, it's too obvious. So I just really like how he combines everything I love about life from pure athletic expression and mm. bodies in motion to movies to his wonderful face, which you can't see quite as much oh. as you can the rest of the movie, but could do five hours on his face. So hot. Buster Keaton. So incredibly good looking. And God. I think there's that Orson Welles quote that it was, you know, the most the most beautiful face ever photographed. So right, Orson. Previous owner of a beautiful face himself. So. Oh, yeah. I, I have a really <laughs> soft spot for Orson Welles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially young, cocky Orson. I like oh, that. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. <laughs> I just love Buster Keaton. That's that's why. Yeah. I, and I love this moment as a pure expression, I guess. that That's my reason for choosing it. What about for you? I've kind of dominated this, uh, <laughs> no, this no. one so far. Well, I agree with you. I mean, what I'm hearing in your description of that baseball pantomime and that moment in particular is that you have an appreciation for the realism of the pantomime. Correct. Like this fidelity to what Ooh, actual like sports movement would look like, but also the precision of it. Beautiful word, yes. What's so fascinating to me about Buster Keaton is that you don't usually think, I, I don't think, of like precision and realism as being these factors that lend themselves toward physical comedy necessarily, yeah. something that you might think of as being spontaneous or even a little bit chaotic or messy, but mm -hmm. there's something so scientific yeah. about his approach to the action and the gesture that, yeah, it's just totally delightful to me. And he has mm. this way of turning his body and spaces and costumes and the yeah. objects These are all words him. that I just know you love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got a phrase, chaotic precision. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> he can turn all of those things into whatever he needs them to be for Absolutely. any yeah. sort of purpose. And it's a joy to watch for sure. Yeah. And, and this was also one of the last films he got to do all of his own stunts on. And uh, again, if you want to... Look at a boneheaded decision. Tell Buster Keaton not to do his own stunts as the yeah. studio. It's like, what? So he did not quite have the Tom Cruise power to say, no, I'm doing whatever I want. I was just waiting. I'm like, when is Chad going to bring up Tom Cruise? Well, because of the running. Like now with Buster Keaton, I'm just, I watch him run because there is a lot of running in this, like, uh, like when he runs in that, the downstairs, upstairs scene I was talking about. He, there's been a very long run through traffic. He's a very good runner. <laughs> good form. No notes. Tom Cruise I always laugh at first, and then as he stays committed to it and just keeps going faster and faster, 
I just start admiring it. I'm like, what dedication? What? Uh, yeah. How many times did he do this? He is not, I don't think, at 60. You know, uh, Buster Keaton, 31-year-old running around the bases. But the commitment to the run is so important. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's another thing about Buster Keaton is that he fully committed to every aspect of everything. Mm-hmm. And probably why when those aspects were then dictated to him or were coming from the, I don't know if this is true or not, but he said there was 22 writers on the cameraman. Yeah. And so like to have all these notes, all this stuff, and you're like, yeah, fuck you guys. I'm just going to, the, the baseball scene is not in the script. He probably wanted to go to Yankee Stadium and do it. It taps into this childlike kind of joy of, mm. I myself did this kind of baseball pantomime as a kid. I didn't do it at Yankee Stadium because I would have gotten arrested, but I did all the time. I mean, this was, my parents have videos of me and I look like an insane person because I'm out there playing all the positions. I'm narrating in my head. I'm doing all this stuff. So there's also that aspect of like, well, he got to do it like writ large. So, and yeah, would try to wrap all his pictures by September so he could get out to New York for the World Series every year. So he was, I knew the scene meant a lot to him in some way, so. And it means a lot to you, too. And it means a lot to me. Everything about Buster Keaton. Some of my favorite articles and even uh, Dana Stevens' book, which I started to read. It's amazing. I can't wait to finish it. It was called The Cameraman about Buster Keaton. And there's the Karina Longworth, you must remember this episode. There's the James A.G. essay, Comedy's Greatest Era, um, where he just talks so glowingly about Keaton. And when you get a really, really good writer, this will not surprise anybody. When you get a really, really good writer writing about a really, really good subject, it's just a pleasure to have a writer that I just adore writing about Buster Keaton, who I adore. I guess I'm in heaven. Great. Yeah. That's that's it, right? Okay. <laughs> oh, I forgot to talk about magic. He also does magic at the end. Perfect. Thanks for listening to another installment of our new bite-sized monthly series in conversation with and sponsored by our friends at Gallery. And we'd love for you to join the conversation as well. For details about Gallery's live film discussions ongoing now, sign up at join.gallery.com slash BWDR. Our theme music is composed by Chad Perman, good guy. And this podcast is produced and edited by Eli Sands. I don't think we say bye on this one.